0: We're gonna to go to Matthew chapter 5. Preacher, I thought we were through with the Beatitudes. We are. We we are. We are. Matthew chapter 5. Come on. Run over there with me if you would. This is post Beatitude work, okay? You know, one thing about the Bible is all of its good. I mean, no matter where you go, it's like just turn your Bible somewhere. I mean, it's going to be good wherever you turn it to. Look all the way down to verse 13. Past the Beatitudes, to verse 13. The Bible says, Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth thenceforth, good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men, put, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, I titled a message, it's time to start living it. Living what, preacher? The Beatitude lifestyle. It's it's time to start living it. Come on, he's taught it to us. He's taught it to us. it's It's time to start living it. Let's pray. We'll get on into it. Father, thank you for the good group that's out this morning. Thank you for loving and caring about us the way that you do. Thankful, I'm so thankful for your Bible, Lord, that it gives us truth. It, it helps us. It guides us. It directs us. It leads us. It, I'm so thankful for it. And I pray that you'd use this portion of Scripture this morning in our lives. And Lord, for those in here that may not know Christ as their Savior, speak clearly to them. It's so very important that we have it settled in our heart, that there has come a time in our life that we have trusted Christ as our personal Savior, that we are guaranteed one day to have that home in heaven, that we know that we have the Holy Spirit of God with us to guide us into all truth. Help us this morning, Lord, whatever needs to be done in this place, in this sanctuary, I pray you would that it would be accomplished this morning and we'll thank you and give you honor and glory for everything that takes place because we ask all of these things in the mighty name of jesus christ amen and amen thank you so much for standing for the reading the word of god and please do be seated well we have finished with the beatitudes but God has some post-beatitude warnings for us. Post-beatitude warnings. Why is that preacher? Well, it's because verses 13 through 16, they tie right into the teachings of verses 3 through 12. I mean, it just it just ties right in with it. And we know as we've gone through this teaching on the Beatitudes, we've talked a lot about how the Beatitudes are... The Beatitudes are not just some literary material, but they're principles by which we are to live. I mean, God says, you're going to be blessed if you live this way. And you're going to be blessed if you live this way. You're going to be blessed goes on through all those things. We've, ent- we, we've emphasized that with the world, what you have, with the world, what you have and what you do is important with this world. What do you mean, preacher? Well, you know, you hear questions like, uh, well, what do you do for a living? I, and uh, where is your house located? And uh, what brand of clothes do you wear? And uh, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, I mean, it's a, all about what you have. It's, a, it's all about what you do with this world. But that's not the way it is with Jesus. No, 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 no. With Him, what matters is what we are. Right. Right. <clears throat> uh, that you're poor in spirit is more important than being a self-starting, uh, self-promoter uh, that you mourn over your sin is more important than ignoring sin that, uh, uh, so that you might be socially and uh, culturally acceptable. And that you are meek is more important than having power and running over anybody that gets in your way. And, and that you hunger and thirst after righteousness is more important than you feeding the insatiable appetite of the flesh. And that you are merciful is more important than you being able than you being able to ignore the suffering of others just so you can achieve your own goals. And that you're pure in heart is much more important than serving God with half of your heart and the world with the other half of your heart. And that you are a peacemaker is much more important than you holding grudges uh, so as not to appear weak and vulnerable. And that you learn to suffer persecution with joy and gladness is more important than you compromising truth so that you might keep a certain groups of friends or that you might keep a certain job. These things have to do with character. These things have to do with what you are. And when we have decided to live this beatitude lifestyle, that type of character will enable us to be the salt of the earth. It will enable us to be the light of the world. So let's start with salt. Salt is a simple commodity, but it's, it's a very valuable commodity. You can buy salt today at a very cheap price, and, and, and really, no one gives a lot of thought about salt, uh, what we pay for it, and, and the availability has really kept us from truly seeing the value that salt has. There's been times in history when people use salt as money, and some were even paid in salt. In fact, uh, our English term salary comes, uh, which is represented, uh, which represented a soldier's money allowance for salt, was derived from the word salarium, their term denoting the salt allotment issued to soldiers uh, of the ancient Roman army. So if a soldier was negligent and if a soldier was slothful, he was not worth his salt. He didn't get paid. And true disciples are to be the salt of the earth. Come on, that's what the Beatitudes are all about, right? Come on, he sat down with his disciples and said, you're going to be blessed if you're this way, and blessed if you're this way, and blessed if you're this way. And he was teaching them the character that they should have, the life that they should live, laying groundwork for all of that. We are to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, are to be the salt of the earth. Why do you know that? We just read it. We read it. Did you not read it with me? So what does salt do? I mean, if Jesus said that we're to be the salt of the earth, we should probably look at what salt really does to find out our responsibility. So let's think about this. Salt sanctifies. What do you mean, preacher? Well, scientists tell us that uh, the salt content in our oceans is very, very important. Because without it, the ocean would be, well, it'd be huge areas of corruption, and and it'd plague the world with disease if it wasn't salty the way that it is. And you and I are supposed to have a purifying effect on those around us. What what do you mean, preacher? Well, we're to be moral, and we're to be a spiritual influence of those with whom we come into contact. We're to be salt. We... we, mm. When we live holy lives, our presence can cause others to behave in a better manner. No, when we're living the way that God would have us to do, even our presence can cause others to behave in a better manner. We can have an impact on our community, not by picketing and not by staging protests. No, 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 no. But by standing up for what is right and living holy lives before other people. Living unto God. But salt also preserves. You know, people used to use salt to preserve their meats until refrigeration showed up. And uh, we should be preserving. The the preservation of our nation depends upon the presence of God's people more than most care to realize. I, I mean, for us to stand up for what is right. The world may may not think that you, as a follower of Christ, are important. But I can guarantee you, your value to society and to our nation is great. You are are offering something that no government program can offer. It's time for us to stand up, stand up for Jesus. It's time for us to live a Christian life, not only in the church house, but out in the world, to be the salt of this earth. Salt also seasons. It adds flavor to food, a zest, if you will. I'm a saltaholic. I mean, tell you, it's hard for me to eat anything without a little salt, or well, maybe a lot of salt applied to it. I, I I like it. To, to me, it just makes things taste better. Uh, people, I, I don't have to. I get food and I just start salting it. What are you doing? You haven't tasted that? Well, I need salt. Absolutely so. Anyway, anyway. We really should add flavor to our society. We should be uh, encouraging. We should be inspiring. And we should be directing people to a hope that is real. Come on, not the, hope of, not the hope of Washington, D.C. But a hope that is much greater than that. We should be directing people to the blessed hope. I, I, mean, I mean, adding that flavor. Uh, we should be a blessing to other people. Please listen to me this morning. We should be a blessing to other people and not a curse. Not a thorn in the flesh. Uh, here they come again, and you know, Christian always wanting to put me down for something, whatever. We shouldn't. No, 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 we shouldn't have that reputation. Come on, stay with me in this. We shouldn't have that reputation. Well, you just told us to stand up for Jesus. We should. You just told us to be the salt of the earth. No, well, God tells us that. Well, then, you know, I mean, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live holy lives. But we're not supposed to be arrogant. We're not supposed to be looking down our nose at people. Uh, We're not supposed to be belittling them because they don't believe the way we believe. They would believe the way that we believe if they came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Somebody say amen right there. Come on, it's Jesus that changed my life. Society didn't change my life. Society nearly ruined my life. It's Jesus that changed my life. And, And we're supposed to be showing people what a Christian, a real Christian is all about. We should be a blessing to the world. A blessing. Sin has cursed this world. We know that. But Christianity blesses the world. Someone that professes to know Christ shouldn't be a deadbeat. Okay, I'll say it again. <laughs> Someone that knows Christ as their Savior shouldn't be a deadbeat. Well, you, you, you just told us not to get after people. Well, I'm preaching right now. This is my responsibility. No, really it is my responsibility to tell you're a sinner. And you need to walk closer to God. And you need to be salt and you need to be light. Amen. Come on. How are are we ever going to change if we're not confronted with our sin? How how are we ever going to change if we're not confronted by God, by the Bible, with these things? It's important that we're confronted that way. It, it changes lives. Come on, when, 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 when we realize that we are not everything that God would have us to be, we, we should be prone to start trying to be everything that God wants us to be. Right. I mean, working toward it. Well, preacher, I'm telling you, I, man, I'm just not there yet. Welcome to the club. I'm not there yet either. But we should be trying, shouldn't we? and 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 we should realize that that Christians i mean Christians should be different those that say that they know christ as their savior and have a rotten attitude all the time have a sour disposition all the time they're always in a bad mood always complaining about something or they're very selfish or they're lazy or they have no manners whatsoever and they can't seem to get along with anybody or maybe they're just downright unpleasant to be around they do not have any positive seizing effect on anybody around them. Christians shouldn't be like that. Right. Right. We shouldn't be like that. We should be doing everything that we can to show people that knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior is life-changing. We're not stuck in some dead religion where we just have to do this and have to do that. And we... I'm telling you, if we have that attitude, we've got real spiritual problems. And how are we going to influence anybody if that's our attitude, if that's our spirit? I mean, people like that just leave a rotten taste in people's mouth instead of a good taste, don't they? Come on, really? Absolutely so. A rotten taste. I, I, take, uh, I take apple cider vinegar every morning. Have you ever tasted apple cider vinegar? It is nasty. I mean nasty, nasty. I mean really nasty. It's supposed to be good for you. I hope that it is because it's really nasty. I hope it's good. But it tastes terrible. And it leaves a, it leaves a terrible taste in your mouth. I mean, man, you want to chase it with some type of juice and certainly coffee. You want to chase it with coffee. Absolutely so. Chase it with coffee. <laughs> Why don't you talk about that, preacher? We shouldn't want to leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth as Christian. We we, we shouldn't want, no, no, when we walk away, we shouldn't want people to say, I'm telling you, I don't know about that. that, what's that all about? We're to be the salt of the earth, not the vinegar of the earth. The Apostle Paul knew what he was saying in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, when he said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. You know, when we cause aggravation because of, now listen to me, listen to me. When we cause aggravation, you're going to have to listen close to get this. When we cause aggravation because of our godliness to those in an ungodly world, that is not dishonorable. Now, I want you to think about that. Please think about that. Excuse me. When we cause aggravation aggravation, because of our godliness, because we're trying to live for God, to those in this ungodly world, that is not dishonorable. Just make sure that people are not aggravated at you because you seem to be more like vinegar than salt. We should be doing our best to leave a good taste in people's mouths when we walk away from them. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Come on, he never compromised anything. He told people the truth everywhere that he went. But very apparently, uh, he was salt. Very apparently, it was seasoned with uh, love and care and concern. I think to an extent that we have gotten um, I think to an extent we have gotten afraid of trying to be godly. I think to an extent we've gotten afraid of trying to uh, even talk about spiritual things around people. You know, about things that are happening at our church. Things that God's doing in our life. A verse of scripture that we read that morning that really spoke to our heart. We're around people. Well, you know, they might. Well, what if they don't understand that? I, I'm telling you, it's not a bad thing at all to talk about God and what God's doing in your life and how God has blessed you since you've come to know Christ as your Savior. That is not a bad thing. We're supposed to be salt. But this also comes with a warning. It says here, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So the warning here is about salt's failure to maintain its saltiness so how's that described well if the salt has ha, have lost his savor these words here lost his savor translated from the greek word moros and we get our come on you, 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 don't don't get mad at me here we get our english word moron from this word And moron, that word really means dull or sluggish. And when applied to the mind, it means, excuse the word, but it means stupid or or silly. But as it's applied here, it means that the salt has become dull or insipid or tasteless or flat. And when applied to someone's behavior, it means to play the fool. To play the fool. Lost his savor. In fact, it's translated, they became fools in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 22, which speaks of the ungodly saying this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Fools. So believers can lose their savor by having failing character. What do you mean, preacher? Well, by by playing the fool. Or or by disobeying God's word. or, Or by leaving God out of their life, just like the people in Romans 1 did. But we can also lose our savor by mingling with this world and becoming more like the world than like Christ. When Christians live like this world, it destroys their spirituality. I'm going to say that again. When Christians live like this world, when believers live like this world, it destroys their spirituality. They no longer have the spiritual flavor in them it's, 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 it's living holy that gives flavor to the Christian and with that failure comes devaluation because Jesus said it is thenceforth good for nothing so when, a, when salt loses its saltiness it loses all value it has become useless. You know, when a believer falls into sin, he's in danger of losing his testimony. He or she, completely. Just completely losing their testimony. Now, born again child of God cannot lose their soul, but they can lose their savor. Right. Right. And when the savor is gone, their Christian service becomes ineffective. And as disciples, if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, we should live a distinctly different Savory, salty life. See, <laughs> we're not left here after salvation to blend in with this world, to be influenced by this world. We're left here to influence, we're left here to preserve. So we ought to dress salty and talk salty and have salty music and have salty friendships and work salty and have a salty attitude and on and on and on we'd go with that, couldn't we? Something that's going to help other people. Right. And when we live the beatitude life, it will certainly give us a distinct quality. You know what I can't hardly help to think about every time that I get in this portion of Scripture? I can't help but think about Judas. Judas was there. He he was sitting there listening to all this. Now, the one that betrayed Christ, the one that sold him out, Come on, the disciple that died and went to hell. He was there. Listening to all this. He had opportunity. No, no, God gave him plenty of opportunity. He could have chosen even then to say, man, I'm tired of playing this game. I'm tired of trying to make people around me believe that I know Christ as my own personal Savior. I mean, He had a choice. He was there. Christ Himself was teaching Him. He had an opportunity. Come on, Jesus is talking about this. And I can promise you that Judas in his own heart knew, that ain't me. That's not the way I am. Come on, we know he was selfish and self-centered. He didn't care anything except that he got to hold the bag with the money in it. I, I mean, he was sitting there listening to Jesus talk about all these things and still made the decision to not trust Christ. I'm I'm very thankful that Jesus fulfilled His role when He came to this earth. The book of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, says that He came to Die for the sin of His people. And He fulfilled His role. He did that. I and mean, they took Him, beat Him, nailed Him to a cross. He shed His blood. He gave up the ghost. He died for the sin of His people. But He rose again. Victorious over death. Victorious over sin. Victorious over hell. He did His part. And then he offered it up to anybody that would come. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If thou shalt confess with, thy heart, uh, confess with thy mouth and believe with thy heart that Jesus rose from dead, thou shalt be saved. I'm telling you, he gave the whole world opportunity to trust Christ, to trust him as their Savior. He paid the price. I'm glad he did his part. And it seems that the older I get and the more the longer I'm in ministry, the more burdened I get about those people that they don't have an opportunity or because people aren't telling them, and more so about those people that hear it over and over and over and over and over again, and just deny it, oh, I'll take care of that one these days. oh, that's not what I want to do right now. Well, maybe I'll make it one day. Well, maybe you won't. The Bible says today is the accepted day of salvation. I mean, we hear the truth, we know the truth, we have an opportunity to trust Christ as our Savior. We ought to take that opportunity. Mercy sakes alive. We don't even know if we're going to make it back to our home today, do we? Well, it's just the truth. And God offers us this wonderful gift. And then the fact that we can be in a good influence to this world instead of a bad influence to this world. We can be salt. I just can't help but think about Judas every time I read this portion of Scripture. Anyway, back to us that are supposed to be salt once we're saved by the grace of God. When the salt has lost its savor, The Lord says that it is thenceforth good for nothing. See, you can't, you can't, you look, you cannot commit some sins and keep your flavor as a Christian because you may lose the trust of others, you may never be the inspiration that you once were. You may never be used the way that God intended to use you. No, I know our God is a loving, caring, gracious God. I understand all of that. And I know that there's a lot of people that have bounced back along the way. I mean, I'm one of them. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. But we can't have this mindset, well, I can just live the way I want to and then I'll, I'll ask forgiveness at the end of the day. I'm telling you, no, 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 no. That's the devil's way of working things. I mean, you think about King David after his sin with Bathsheba. Although he repented, he never was the same. He lost He lost something. People, people want to mock. Listen to me, please. People want to mock the seriousness of sin or to think that we can get by with anything just because God forgives and understands what they're doing, whatever the case may be. But that is not how it works. It, it, if we cross a line, it can be devastating. And to think, please listen to me, and, and to think, to think that we're supposed to be salt, I I, I I, mean, c- come on, mom and dad, listen to me. We're supposed to be salt to our children. Right. Right. Grandma, grandpa, listen to me. We're supposed to be salt to our grandchildren. I, I mean, no, no, no. We have, we have an opportunity to influence them in the right way or influence them in the wrong way. Right. We, we have an opportunity to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord or raise them in a worldly way. Man, we ought to take advantage of every opportunity we have to be salt to our children, to be salt to our grandchildren. It's so very important. There's really a danger in all this because it says that it's to be cast out, trodden under the foot of men. The danger is that salt loses that distinct quality, that savor that gives it the ability to sanctify and to preserve and, and to season. So we have to take precautions to make sure that we do not lose our saltiness. Listen to me, we are in this world, but we're not to be of this world the miracle of salvation has made us partakers of of the divine nature distinct and and separate to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ the popular philosophy is to be like the world the popular philosophy is to be like the world to win the world but that's wrong because if we taste like the world how can we be salt right that's right you think about this with me lot Lot was in Sodom, and Abraham stayed out of Sodom. Now, which one did more to preserve Sodom? Well, the one that was left untouched by the things of the world. He's the one that prayed. He's the one that sought forgiveness. Anyway, so once salt has lost its savor, what is it good for then? Well, Jesus said to be trodden on. Back in that day, salt that had lost its savor was often put on roads or on walking paths and it was uh, walked on. That's what they did. The danger is that if you lose savor, you um, you will more than likely end up in the traffic of this world. You're more than likely to end up more like the world than like Jesus. And I can guarantee you that is not where any true born again child of God wants to spend the rest of their days on this earth. It's a miserable place to be. So we have to work to keep our Savior. We need to walk with God every single day. We need to be an example of what the believer should be. We need to stay in His Word and allow it to be a lamp unto our feet that He can guide us. We need to come to church at every given opportunity. Well, How come, preacher? Because we need one another. And we need preaching and we need teaching and we need to know what the Bible has to say. We need to listen to godly music, something that that, that edifies and builds. We need to live a Christian life in front of others and, and, and witness of, of uh, Jesus' amazing saving grace that everyone that needs to hear it. Uh, here, here, it, it. Here it is in a nutshell. Don't be ashamed to be a disciple of Christ. After all he's done for you, And you won't speak up for him? In a real honest evaluation of yourself. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I know you probably don't believe me. In a real honest evaluation of yourself. This is pretty much the invitation right here. In a real honest evaluation of yourself right now. Would you say you're worth your salt? I mean, really? No, I'm talking about a self-evaluation. You, you're trying to judge me. I'm not, don't, don't get that on your head. That's in your head. No. I said a self-evaluation. Because nobody can examine us, I mean, besides God, better than ourselves. Isn't that right? Preacher, why do you always put us on the spot? It's my job. It's my responsibility. No no it's my, no, no, it's my job to present the truth and then to give us opportunity to do something about it. And if we'll do something about it, it's life-changing, isn't it? I mean, absolutely life-changing. Because that's the way that God works. He chose the foolishness of preaching. That's what the Bible says. Are you worth your salt? And if not, maybe it's time to do something about that. No, not tomorrow. Today. Because Jesus has put out a warning. It's from Him. It's not from me. It's from Him. Maybe We should respond as necessary. And I'm telling you, if you're in here this morning, you don't really know Christ as your Savior, maybe it's time you just went ahead and decided to get saved. Take an opportunity that God has given you. Be a good day to do so. It's time to get started. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for being patient, attentive. Thank you for that appreciate it so very much. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe God spoke to your heart this morning. Maybe about your own soul. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I know Christ as my Savior. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. Preacher, would you please pray for me? I need to get that all settled in my heart and my life. Boy, I'd like to pray for you like that this morning. You're here. Preacher, I'm not sure that I know Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? I'd like to. Would you slip your hand up wherever you are? Just allow me to pray for you. I mean, would you do that? God spoke to your heart about your own salvation, about your own eternal destiny. God spoke to your heart about that. Would you allow me to pray for you? Just slip your hand up. I'll acknowledge it. We'll go right on with the service. God bless your honesty. You're here this morning and God spoke to your heart. There's already many at the altar. You know you need to come. I pray that you will this morning. I pray you'll not let anything keep you from doing business with God before you leave this place. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. We know that it's your desire that they be saved, and I pray that they'd come even this morning. and Let us take a Bible and help them to get that all settled. And then for the ones that are already at the altar and the ones that are going to come, Father, help us to be what we're supposed to be for you and for others. That we might be everything that we can be.